Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So we're in this new series called Let There Be Joy, and we're so glad that you could be a part of this. Um, you know, people said, hey, why don't you just continue with the Rejected series because it's so good. And I said, we can always come back to rejection because we keep experiencing it. But I feel like we need to be like theme appropriate and just to kind of make a shift here and, uh, and enter into this season that we're in, which I think can sometimes be so easily confused with the things that we feel are lacking, missing, things that are disappointing and frustrating. And when we don't experience those things, it can really affect our joy. I think one of the first things we need to do is just make an important distinction between what is the difference between happy being happy, experiencing happiness, and, and what is the difference between that and, and joy? Well, interestingly enough, we know that happy is an emotion just like joy is, and in the English language, we kind of use these two um, interchangeably. But I need us to understand that happiness is more of an emotion like sadness or jealousy. It's something that can appear and then disappear. It is something that is fleeting. It is not something that always remains. Just like you're not always jealous, but you have experienced moments of jealousy. Just like you're not always sad, but you experience moments of sadness. Just like you can experience happiness and not always be happy. You might be happy about something and then something comes along to take away that happiness and you Expect it because you know that you cannot be continually happy forever. Happiness doesn't last. Happiness is great. And we get happiness from a lot of things. And and that's why the scriptures talk about happiness this way. And I need us to turn to the scriptures for our wisdom. And, And in Romans chapter 14 and in verse 17, this is what it says. It says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's one of righteousness, peace. And then it clarifies it and says, it is joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, in this one verse, we have the explanation of happiness and joy. In this one verse, God reveals what each one is. It says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And and we're entering into a season of of eating and drinking. Maybe we never leave that season, right? I don't know. (laughs) We're always in it. (laughs) We just just find another excuse for it, right? But, But in the scriptures, there's someone who says that he works his whole 
life, accumulating wealth. And, and, and when he gets to the point of, of retirement, he, he makes one last move and he takes his, his old barns and he tears them down and he builds bigger barns and he fills them to the brim. And then he looks at what he's put aside and then he says, now I'm gonna spend the rest of my days eating and drinking and being merry. And he makes his plans for the future. And the Bible says that that night he, 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 he gained the whole world, but he actually loses his soul. And so we understand that sometimes happiness can be just like that, you know? It, it's like making a decision to, to enter into retirement. My dad was so looking forward to his retirement and, and he died at the age of 64. He was so excited about the fact that he was just one year away and he never got to experience it. And sometimes we make plans for our happiness and, and we never step into it. And so we have to understand that, that life has a way of, of, of not being fair with us. Uh, things happen that, that, that take away our happiness, but, but more importantly, we, we have to understand that there's something that God can do for us that no one can ever take away, and that's, He wants to give us a different kind of experience, and that is one of joy. And so, that's why He says this. He says that the joy is not dependent on the things of this earth, but it's dependent on our connection to the Holy Spirit. He says our connection to the Holy Spirit, to God himself, reveals if we are truly experiencing joy or always in the temporal emotion of happiness. And so I look at my life and I say, God, am I a person who just keeps experiencing happiness and pursuing happiness? Or am I a person instead who is pursuing your joy? Am I a person who keeps experiencing happiness or am I a person who is experiencing joy? And I never asked myself this question before because I just thought they were always the same thing. Anybody else? I just thought they were one and the same. I didn't think they were different. And I didn't know that we could experience them differently. But that's exactly what he's saying. And he's saying that this is how it happens. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12 and in verse 2, it tells us this. If you fix your eyes on Jesus then what you're going to have is you're going to have the stability that you need to move out of a place of happiness and into a dimension of joy. Out of what is temporal into something that is never-ending. Because he is the pioneer and he is the perfecter of faith. And for the joy... Then he says, set before him, look at this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I always said to myself, you know, what is it that Jesus had to do to endure the cross? And the Bible says that he endured it because of joy. 
He made it through the most torturous moment that a human being can face. Because it wasn't based on the circumstances. It was based on his relationship with the Father, a union that could not be severed. And that's why he experienced joy instead. And he faced everything with joy. And then look what happens. He sits down at the right hand at the throne of God. And what that means is that there is so much more joy ahead for us. It means that because Jesus is at that right hand, it means that the joy that he depended on to get him through everything is the same joy that he is dispensing today. It's the same joy that you need to make it through whatever it is that you are living and facing in your life and may face in the future days to come. Because he is at the right hand of God, he isn't just offering you happiness, he is offering you joy. And so now we understand this a little better. We understand the difference between the two, how the scriptures reveal it, how it explains it, and how it can be lived out in our daily lives. And now we enter into the story for today. The story for today is found in Luke chapter one and it's verse 11 that we're gonna look at. And it says that the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah and look where he is. He is standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And that was the place where, where prayers were offered up. It was where service was conducted, where he would need to pray, where he needed to be so that he could be an intercessor on behalf of his people. He stood in that position as a priest, but he was no prophet and he certainly was no king. He was there interceding for the people, but there was something that he couldn't do, and that was he couldn't dispense joy. Unlike Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father and does exactly that, he dispenses joy. But Zechariah, he's in a place where he doesn't even have joy in his own life. We know this because in verse 12, it says that when Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled. And he was gripped with fear. And anytime you see this in the scriptures, it's whenever you see a sinful person standing before the holiness of God. It is then that you were startled. It is then that you were overcome and overwhelmed with fear. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you, just like I hope you're going to be honest with yourself. I, I, I feel like we are, we are happiness seekers because that's all we think life is. We avoid a deeper relationship with God because when we do, we feel startled and we feel fearful. Because the closer you get to God, uh, the more our comfort level is impacted. And instead of wanting more of that and moving towards joy, we retreat and we stay 
in our place seeking happiness. And we turn to the places of eating and drinking, places that help in our forgetting. We turn to the things that help with our dealing, but they never lead to transformation. Does that make sense? You see, this is what happens instinctively. And, and Zechariah is in the temple. He's prepared an entire year for this moment. And then when God shows up, he, he just wants that moment to be done. He's like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want. This is not the moment that I've been looking for. And, and, and sometimes God, you know, rewards us with his presence instead of presence. See, I go into the presence of God wanting presence. Anybody else? I always want presence. I love presence. I, I don't like buying my own presence, but, I, but, but sometimes I'm okay with that too. Anybody else wrap their own presents sometimes for Christmas? Like you buy exactly what you want and then you wrap it and then you put it under a tree and then on Christmas day, you're just like opening the present that you just buy yourself. Anybody ever done that? Okay, that's just my Christmas experience then. I, I love doing that because I know exactly what I want, right? I know exactly what I, what I signed up for uh, for this day. This is exactly what I've been looking forward to. And, and if I have to wait 30 more days for it, it's okay. Like if I have to wait 20 more days or five more days or whatever it is, I can do that because I know what's waiting for me under the tree. And so because I know I'm just content with the present, regardless of the presence. So I don't know about you, but this story reminds me of a moment in Zachariah's life where the angel has to tell him, Zachariah, no, you're scared. Because that's what the holiness of God does. That's what the presence of God does. It's, it shocks us, it scares us. It's calling us to live in a way that we're not accustomed to. You know, we're, we're comfortable with this. You know, I'm good with following Jesus at this level. I, I, I'm good in believing in Jesus at this level. I'm good in trusting Jesus at this level. And, and in terms of happiness, I'm good with that. In terms of presence, I'm good with that. But if it goes beyond this, then that's when I get scared. And what the story reveals is that, that the angel has to tell Zechariah, don't be afraid because there's a new level to experience here. And I want you to transition out of a place where you're just accepting things the way they are and just dealing with the everyday happiness of life when I've got real joy to give you. The problem is Zechariah doesn't really want it. And, and, and he forgets what he's prayed for. You know, I, I've been in moments in my life where I have prayed and I have asked God to do things and then forgotten that I had asked. And, and then it happens and I'm like, God, I, I prayed for this and you answered now. I even forgot about it. I even stopped believing that it could still happen and you've answered my prayer. And, and what God does is, is that he, he never forgets a prayer. So the Bible tells us that, that on the first day that you pray it, he already gives an answer to it. Now, it may take time before that answer gets to you. 
There may be obstacles in the way and spiritual battles that are happening. It may be because there are things that have yet to come together for your good, but it doesn't mean that God has not answered. And what this moment reveals is that in the moments in which Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying, God had all answered. And he says, your prayer has been heard. And he says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. The problem is, is that, well, like a lot of us, Zechariah just got used to not having a son. He got used to his wife being barren. He got used to his situation being the way that it was and, and others just looking at him and his wife as not being as blessed as everyone else. And yet, God is saying, I believe he's saying this to you. Why are you giving up on the prayer? Why are you giving up on me when I am still able to do it? I hope that speaks to you. I hope that speaks to the moment in which you're in. The moment where you have you resigned to the fact that things are just going to stay the same. Because this story is all about God saying, if you have prayed it, I have answered it. And I'm ready to show you that no matter how much time passes, I am still the God that answers your prayer. In verse 14, he says that he's going to be a joy and that he's going to be a delight to you. See, the, the answered prayer is a joy. It is a delight. But then it does something else. It, it, it makes it so that others also rejoice because of its birth. And, and I look at this and I say, God, you know, sometimes just like a child is in a mother's womb and we don't see it. We don't see what's happening. We don't see what's going on. But you are just like that at work, making sure that when the time comes, it will be fulfilled. And so the story continues in Luke 1 and verse 18, where Zechariah asks the angel and he says, how can I be sure of this? And you see, he was fearful, but now he's also doubtful. Have you ever been those two things? Just fearful and doubtful. You know, fearful and doubtful, even though God has just shown up in a way that you've never seen him shown up in your life before. He is like a physical manifestation. He is alive in front of you. He is speaking to you. He is revealing his will to you. And yet you're still afraid. And yet you're still doubting. And, and that goes to show you that even if you've never had an experience like Zachariah has here, guess what? We've all had this experience of being fearful and doubtful. In the face of wanting to have faith, in the face of wanting and desiring to experience joy. And then he says, here are the reasons why it, it, it shouldn't happen. Have you ever talk to yourself out of a blessing. I, I think that we do that more often than we realize. And I think what the story does is that it reveals that we shouldn't talk ourselves out of a blessing that God has promised. 
You let God make that decision. Don't make that decision for God. I hate when people make decisions for other people. Uh, they're probably too busy. They, they probably aren't going to come. Every time I text them, it takes them forever to text me back. Even if I call, they never pick up. Why should I invite them? Why should I take that extra step? You know, it's probably not going to work out anyways. I mean, I've, I've heard other people get rejected. They went and asked for a raise. Why should I go and ask for one? It's going to be no. It was no for them. It's probably going to be no for me. Why should it be different? Have you ever talked yourself out of a blessing? Have you ever made decisions for another person? I believe the answer is yes. And, and I believe that this story reveals exactly that. Because what Zechariah does in speaking to the angel is he says this, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Look, the one thing that Zechariah does here, um, if we can put that verse back up in verse 18, is that he knows that after his, his acts of service are ended in the temple, he has to go back home to Elizabeth. And so he makes sure that he says, I'm old and my wife is well along in years. Isn't that a nice way to put it? <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't like give her age away. He doesn't say that she's old too. She's older than me. Like, you know, she's all dried up and shriveled up. Like she doesn't, he didn't say anything like that. She hasn't been able to have kids in like at least 40 years, Lord. Like he doesn't say any of that, right? But, but he, he does point out that the situation isn't hopeful. But, but he says this after the angel already gave him the promise. Do you understand what's happening here? It's like God spoke, gave the promise, and, and Zechariah is just struggling to believe in it. And, and I think the story is not about what God has promised. It's the struggle that we're having in believing in the promises of God. Because time has passed. I'm not 24 anymore. And, and so because time has gone by, I look at my life and I say, well, it's probably never going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, then it won't happen. Who are you to decide that? When God is making sure that you understand that you cannot make that decision for the Lord. It is for you to believe in the Lord. And wait on Him to reveal what His decision is. It's different, right? Different. And yet still a struggle. And still a struggle even for Zechariah. And so in verse 19, the angel says to him, and he has to tell him this. He has to do it because he has to reveal his authority. And he says, look, I'm not just any angel here. Um, I'm an archangel. I am in command of one third of, of those angels. And I want you to know that I stand in the presence of God which means that he is always there unless God tells him to do something else. And this something else, Zachariah, was to come and talk to your doubting old 
face. You can kind of sense the frustration a little bit, right? In Gabriel. It's like, dude, really? Like, like if there was a moment in which it should be written, like, dude, really? It's here. Like, really? And, and, and in this moment, he's like telling him, I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And, and what I'm seeing is that there's just no joy. There's none. Like, you know, I'm here sharing joy, but you're not experiencing joy. So this is what I know. I know that God can speak joy, but it's still up to us to experience joy. God can promise joy, but it's still for me to seize joy. And in the moment in which they're in, in verse 20, it says, now, Zechariah, you're going to be silent and you're not going to be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So he's telling him, you're not going to be able to speak. And I always thought about that. Okay, why, why is this important? And the judgment of not being able to speak, I, I, I kind of struggled with this in this text a little bit. And, I, and I, I don't think I have a full answer, okay? So I'm not going to pretend that I do. But I do think that what's happening in this story is this. Because he's being overtaken by fear and doubt. And even after he had this incredible revelation and he's still struggling with being able to believe in the promise and experience joy, God is going to make sure that Zechariah doesn't propagate, doesn't keep spreading that fear and that doubt to other people. And so he's going to silence him. I, I, have, I have been silenced before in my life. Like, like literally my mom had to put tape over my mouth one time. I, I remember it still as a child. It happened. I, I wasn't kidnapped, but I, I remember this moment very vividly. And, and I remember she had to do it because I just wouldn't shut up. I wouldn't stop. And, uh, and she also tied me <laughs> and put me in a dark furnace. Now, my mom is dead, so I can tell this story. But if she was alive, I couldn't say it. But I'm telling it because I think looking back, you know, the way we were disciplined um, in the 80s was questionable on every level. Anybody else agree? Like, just... Chris craziness, right? But, but the fact is, is that I was silenced, right? I had to be silenced. And, and I look at the story and, and I see that Zachariah had to be silenced too. Now, the reason he was silenced was because, you know, he was just going to maybe speak all the things that were still not settled in his heart. And we know this because the time comes when it comes time where his son is born and and, and you would think that that would be the moment in which, um, listen to this, his, the birth itself would have taken 
away the silence and given him back his speech. But the only thing that gives Zechariah back his speech is when he says, his name shall be John. See, the birth of the promise wasn't what released Zechariah from the curse and the judgment. What released him was when he spoke the promise. It wasn't enough for the promise to be born. Zechariah had to speak the promise. And I want you to think about that in your own life. And why it is that maybe the promise has not yet been fulfilled? Could it be that the promise has been birthed, but you still don't speak it? Now, what happens if you are speaking it all the time? What is it if you're declaring it over your life over and over and over again? Well, the Bible tells us something else. In Luke chapter one, verse 57, look at this verse. It says that when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to her son. And then in verse 58, her relatives, her neighbors, they all heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and then they all shared her joy. The Bible says that this was a moment of blessing, not just for her and for him, but for all those around them. And so when God blesses and he gives us joy, it's so that others experience it too. And so I wonder if maybe what we're praying for, asking for, what we're demanding of God and, and believing in him for isn't going to bless other people. It's only going to bless us. See, I, I, would, I would think about what it is that you would do if God gave you a child. What would that child be to you? Just your child? Or would you have hopes and dreams and passions and desires for that child to be used by God in a way that it would make a difference in the world? If God gave you $100,000 more this year, in this coming year than the year before, how would that change your life? What would you do with that money? What would you do different Rather than pursuing happiness, how would it reveal joy where it not only blesses you, but blesses those around you? See, God is, 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 is wanting to answer our prayers because he's already promised us incredible things. The problem is, is that he can't trust us with those prayers yet because we're still stuck on happiness when we should be pursuing joy. I think about the story is that even though his faith and his words fail Zechariah, just like they fail us, God makes sure that the blessing of his promise still comes to pass. And I look at that and I say, God, that encourages me so much. Doesn't it encourage you? That even though they messed up in the story, it doesn't stop God from going ahead and giving the promise. It didn't stop him from doing what needed to be done. And, and so why choosing joy brings joy is because it's never about getting what you want. 
It's always about appreciating what you already have. Yes, but it's more than that. It's believing in what God has already promised you and moving in that direction. You need to move in the presence of God and believe in the of the promise of God. And so joy isn't the easiest choice and it's certainly not the obvious choice, but joy is always the choice that we need to make. Because joy is promised, but joy is also a choice. And Zechariah fails in making that choice. And we don't want that to be us. So how are things going to be different? Well, in this story, there are three key things. Three key things that happen when your joy is taken from you. And, and if we can understand what these three things are, we're going to be able to point them out as they're happening in our life. So your joy is always going to be taken from you when you give up on a God-given dream. And that's what we see in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They gave up on the dream, but God did not give up on it. They stopped believing it could happen, but God never did. Where is it in your life that you have given up, that God is speaking to you right now and telling you, that's not what I asked you to do. I believe that we can find one, two, three areas easily. I I'm thinking of some right now as I'm standing before you. I'm thinking, you know, at this point in time in my life, these things should have happened already and they haven't, they probably won't. And we're thinking like that because we have given up on a God-given dream. But how old was Zachariah and Elizabeth when their dream came true? See, it, it came true not because they gave up on it, but became true because God never did. See, God answered their prayer on the first day they prayed it. So I want you to know that God is keeping track, not just of your prayers, He's keeping track of your dreams. And even after you've given up on them, he hasn't, not one bit. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on the dream. He hasn't given up on answering your prayer. Can we say amen to that? Come on. You're not encouraged by that? You know, that's what the story is about. You know, it's about having joy restored into our lives. And God is saying, I, I know how it gets taken away from you, but this is how it can't be taken from you. I know how you can stop believing in it, but this is how you can start believing in it again. Here's the second one. When you submit and surrender to a difficult situation. Sometimes we just stop fighting. We stop caring. We stop believing. We stop trusting. We stop wanting the very thing that we had fought so long for. And we just accept things the way they are, or we accept whatever's left over. You know, I, I have found myself in moments of my life, in very vivid moments, making a choice and making decisions to settle instead of waiting and believing and trusting for the fulfillment of God's promise. Anybody else? 
I chose happiness over joy. See, I, I wouldn't have called it that then. I wouldn't have seen it as such, but that's what it was. See, I was looking for happiness in that moment. And so I went ahead with a relationship that I knew I shouldn't have gone ahead with. I went ahead with a business deal that I thought would be prosperous. I went ahead with doing this and doing that and doing things that I believed were all within the realm of God's blessing and his promise to me, only to discover that those were just moments of happiness and none of them had anything to do with the joy that he had promised me. It was me settling for what I thought was good enough. And even though it wasn't happening in a way that was righteous, I felt, well, what is righteousness? When I can have happiness. See, righteousness is the standard of God's holiness. And I always thought that if I brought something into my life, I, being in my life is enough of, of the happiness that I'm looking for and seeking for and, and needing. That's all I need is really this happiness. Except God was trying to show me that, no, I don't want you to just be happy. I want you to be joyful because what I'm going to give you isn't going to be taken from you ever. It's never going to end. It's going to be something that is going to continue to speak of my favor and blessing of promise in your life. And even after it ends, it cannot end because it lives beyond death, just like Jesus, the right hand of the Father, you see? The promise is that. See, the promise that Jesus had that gave him the joy to endure the cross was that he knew he would live again. And he would find himself where he always was meant to be, back at the right hand of the Father. Can we say amen to that? See, it didn't change for him, even after death. So he always had that joy. And so what we do is we settle for the happiness at the expense of the joy. And when God is saying, don't do that. And so whatever the difficult situation is, stop submitting and surrendering to it. And so that's what Elizabeth and Zechariah did. They submitted and they surrendered. They just accepted things the way they are. Where is it in your life right now where you have submitted and surrendered instead of believing in the promise of God? Where is it? I want you to say to the Lord right now, you tell him, you tell him, say, I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to surrender to this area in my life anymore. I'm not going to settle for happiness. I'm going for joy. I'm going for the full thing. <laughs> Here's the third thing. The third thing is that when you stop believing and praying that the miracle is going to happen. And in the story in which we're in, um, it's not by coincidence that Zacharias um, reaches, Zechariah reaches the revelation of God at the altar of the incense with the prayers. He had stopped believing and he had stopped praying. And so what, what, what God does is that he shows up right where it is that he never should have left. Back at the place that he never should have left. So ask yourself, where is it that you have stopped praying? Where is it that you've stopped believing? Where is it that you've stopped trusting God for him to do something? Maybe you just stop believing and stop trusting that God can save someone in your life, someone in your family, someone in your relationship. You've just stopped. You just accept the way that it is. Why? Why have you stopped praying? Why have you stopped believing? Why have you stopped at happiness when God wants to give you joy? Can we say amen to that? Why? 
I'll tell you why, because we are conditioned to do that. And so you need to fight that conditioning. You need to fight that culture. You need to fight that which constantly divides you from understanding these two differences. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop submitting to God. Don't stop. Don't give up on your God-given dream because God is ready to give you his joy. Stop settling for happiness when joy is there all along. Are you ready for joy instead of happiness? Are you ready for that in your life? And the promise of that. Hey, would you just stand with me as we were closing a word of prayer? And uh, we're going to sing one more song before we go and, and head off into um, the after party. And, and I, I want to encourage you today to really believe in, in the promise that God has, has given you. I don't want you to stop believing, stop trusting. I don't want you to stop asking for that miracle. Don't just settle for the happiness, but, but, but reach all the way for the joy. And I, and I love the fact that, that he just reached into Zachariah's life and Elizabeth's life and reminded them of that, just like he can do that for us right now. And, and he's going to do that even as we pray. And so, Father, I, I look to you and I, I look to these people and I say, Father, I know that you have incredible things that you want to give them and do in their life. And they have settled in areas where you have not asked them to. They have just chosen happiness over your joy. They have selected their presence instead of wanting to live in your presence. And I pray that right now, Father, that you would reveal what the fullness of your joy is for them. That you would reveal and that you would declare your promises over their life right now. That they would not settle for what it is that they have when you have promised them so much more. Lord, you have so much more you want to do in them and through them, so much more you want to give them and entrust them, so much more that you want to bless them with and, 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 and just see abundantly multiplied so that others can be blessed as well. And so for right now, Father, we pray that we today are declaring we are becoming enemies of happiness and we are becoming warriors for joy. We will not settle for anything less than the joy that comes from your presence that is the Holy Spirit and the fulfillment of your promises over our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.